0: This special presentation of Earth-295's award-winning documentary, The Age of Apocalypse, is brought to you by the Janet Van Dyne Foundation, for this one's for Hank, The financial support from Patreon backers, and additional support from viewers like you. If you'd like to know more about Multiversal Q, visit us at multiversalq.com, or engage with us on social medias in all universes. Enjoy. <laughs> Episode 4 The Star Jammers. Remy, what the bajubis have you gotten us into? We're gonna die out here just because you're so guilty about the problems you and Magneto had in the past that you gotta go and do whatever he tells you, even if it kills us. Jubilation Lee. While the majority of the planet that the externals had been on had just been transformed by the energy of the Imkron Crystal, the team, along with a handful of other survivors, were spared. Gambit's team had been abducted at the last minute by the Starjammer, a ship of pirates helmed by Deathbird, the dethroned Shi'ar Empress. Taking them across space, they landed on the unnamed planet where the Imkron Crystal was kept, as Deathbird sought to find the Mad Emperor De her brother, and dethrone him. Meanwhile, Richter and the surviving Imperial Guard showed up following the externals before violently confronting them. Roberto da Costa, who gained power from solar energy, found himself able to absorb the attacks from the similarly solar-powered Gladiator, the powerhouse and leader of the Imperial Guard, allowing Gambit time to enter the crystal. Inside the Amcron crystal, Gamble is forced to pay with something to be able to retrieve a portion of the crystal itself. What Gambit exchange for the crystal has remained his own secret, but while conversing with the crystal itself, he learned that the entire multiverse was threatened due to events that had cracked the crystal. With the shard obtained and the fate of the multiverse at stake, Gambit and his crew left the planet, though due to Roberto's absorption of energy, his powers had expanded so greatly that the team was forced to leave him behind on the planet, presumably to his death. Moody or Richter, once again tagging along, had escaped with the externals, and when they arrived back on Earth, forced Remy to split the party. He stayed behind with Lila Cheney to confront Richter, while Guido and Jubilee were tasked to deliver the crystal to Magneto. On the way back, they encountered Nanny and the baby Charles, who Guido promptly attacked before taking the child and the crystal away.
1: Now Guido betrayed this team because he had already felt betrayed by the love of his life. He had instantly fallen in love with Lila Chaney, the woman who he had devoted his entire life to, but she did not reciprocate these feelings. This was exacerbated by the fact that Gambit was dating Lila, which many believed was in retribution for being denied by Rogue.
0: As Gambit and Lila were faced with the realization that Richter had been able to track Guido the entire time, er, as Gambit and Lila faced the, realisa- as Gambit and Lila faced the realization that Guido would fuck. As Gambit and Lila were faced with the realization that Richter would be able to track Guido and Jubilee back to the X-Men's headquarters, Gamble is forced to prevent Richter from following them back to the base, preparing to cause a cave-in that would trap all of them inside. The issue was further complicated when Guido reappeared, forcing Gambit to choose between saving Lila, who had been trapped under the rubble from the cave-in, or capturing the Emkron crystal and Magneto's son. Ever the romantic, Remy made his choice to save Lila, and they were later joined by Allison and Benet, who had been searching for Charles themselves on the command from Pietro. Richter, meanwhile, traveled directly to Apocalypse, hoping for a reward by informing him of the presumed fate of the externals. Apocalypse, though, was uninterested in Richter's news and subsequently murdered him for failing to retrieve the Imkron crystal. Guido, meanwhile, surrendered his prizes to Apocalypse in exchange for freedom for himself and Lila.
1: The Shadow King Through pain is achievement gained. Through
0: eternal eternal suffering is fortitude found. May the fittest fittest survive. survive. The The body grows harder. The mind grows softer. The will is made malleable. Right, right for the picking. open to the telepathic probings of the Shadow King, the Madri.
1: The Shadow King was an ancient psychic force aligned with Apocalypse, living without a body. Previously living under the identity of Amal Farouk, the force had previously met with Charles Xavier shortly before his death, petitioning him to turn his psychic powers to more malevolent purposes. Now aligned with Apocalypse, the Shadow King became the chief interrogator for the Empire, a malevolent psychic capable of destroying the defenses of almost all who came near him. Though when confronted with Bishop's thoughts, the entity was reportedly tossed out for unknown reasons.
0: Why the Shadow King was not able to interface with Bishop's mind is a big secret, and also a big mystery. The Shadow King was destroyed shortly after the Age of Apocalypse. And so it's not something we can ask, but there have been various theories. Some people believe that Bishop may have not been completely human, or even mutant for that matter. Others believed he may have been a robot, or his mind might have just been wired differently, able to cast out the psychic presence of the Shadow King.
1: Weekend after the experience with Bishop, the Shadow King was ordered to check on the Pale Riders in Avalon. Witnessing the betrayal of Damask, he quickly summoned his energy, allowing himself to take control of the majority of the population of Avalon, unleashing their mutant powers and destroying the world that Destiny had constructed. As Kurt's mother Mystique was possessed, Kurt used his power to shift through dimensions with the help from Switchback and Damask to capture his presence separately from Mystique, killing her. In an instant before his destruction, The Shadow King launched a psionic blast towards Destiny, hoping to kill her, only for her adopted son, Douglas, to take the blast, dying as a result. With the loss of Douglas and Mystique, the two people Destiny cared about more than any, Destiny was finally convinced to travel back to the United States to see Magneto and Bishop. Meanwhile, an even weaker Shadow King returned, waiting for his next mission. Inside the Core
0: That was our teachers making an entrance, Sunshine. Shadowcat and Colossus dropping through the ceiling like a stone. Bad for you. Jonathan Starsmore. As Piotr's team continued their mission at the Seattle Corps, things quickly went from bad to worse. Jonathan, driven by anger over the treatments of humans, ended up murdering a mutant guard, raising alarms inside the Corps. Meanwhile, Paige and Vincente, still disguised as Quietus, were almost discovered by the Sugar Man a mutant slaver and geneticist who was suspicious of the strange behavior of the head of
1: security. The Sugar Man was a disgusting little creature with four small little arms and a little ball-shaped body. He had a razor-sharp tongue that could pierce almost anything, whether that was solid or anyone who was also trying to be intangible. He was also a genius who had mastered the discipline of genetics, which he used to horrific effect in the slave pens.
0: Mondo, meanwhile, discovered Iliana Rasputin but her confusion over what was happening led to her fighting against him as he attempted to escape the base with Ilian inside of him. Outside, Catherine Pride had become worried about her partner's dedication to rescuing his sister above all else, especially if it might cost the lives of his students. The couple entered into the building as the fighting started, spurred by a lack of news. Back in the pit, Sugar Man ordered Jonathan's death to be carried out by Quietus for the murder of the guard. When the pair disguised as Quietus hesitated, Sugarman attacked, hurting Vincente's gaseous form and revealing the pair's disguise. As Colossus and Catherine joined the battle, Jonathan blasted Sugarman as they searched for Mondo and Ileana. Unfortunately, the confused and fearful Ileana tried to break out, inadvertently alerting Sugarman, who had recovered from the earlier attack, grabbing the mutant girl and threatening her life which Pyotr did not take well, brutally murdering Sugar Man with a flurry of punches. During the fight, the casualties racked up as Jonathan and Angela were killed. Pyotr forced Catherine to remove himself and his sister as even more mutants showed up to fight. Pyotr left, promising his remaining students that he would return to save them once Ileana was safe. When he returned moments later at the gates, Pyotr saw that only Paige remained, Single handedly fighting off a large number of slavers and mutants, and Pyotr left her to fight, presumably to die, before returning to Catherine and his sister. His mission was completed, but at the cost of the students he had trained. The Lost Gateway Yeah, yeah, you know all about statistics and that old, cold, abstract, intellectual concept of death. But you ain't never seen the Reaper Man up close, have you? You ain't never seen the warm light fade from the eyes? Never seen a person who could laugh, cry, and dream turn to meat right in front of you? Weapon X.
1: Abandoned by the woman he loved... Weapon X found himself returning to the original X-Men old base at Wondagore Mountain. It had been abandoned after the death of Wanda, as Magneto sought a new home without the ghosts of his failure surrounding him. Outside the steep slopes, Weapon X encountered two more cyborg humans, thinking little of it before slaughtering them with his adamantium claws. Soon, though, he encountered Carol Danvers, a former military cohort who knew Weapon X from back in the day. She was posted to guard the mutant Gateway, under orders of the Human High Council. When he found Gateway, the mutant was surrounded by computer screens, absorbing as much information as he could in a trance. Weapon X, in a fury, destroyed the arrays of computers, freeing Gateway from his trance. Weapon X required his ability to help move the armada with his teleportation powers, but the mutant was uninterested even when more of the cyborgs showed up, attacking the castle in an airplane. They were the Reavers who had slipped in with Donald Pierce, able to repair themselves from the wounds Weapon X had inflicted. Gateway teleported the three onto the plane and after a brutal fight, Carol sacrificed herself by pulling Pierce out of the plane before activating a grenade. Carol's actions and the threat convinced Gateway to meet with the Human High Council.
0: Gateway is such an interesting mutant. He had previously lived out in the Australian outback but Magneto had reached out to him early on, hoping to secure his powers, knowing the importance of having someone who was able to transport instantly across large distances, along with the ability to bring other people. But Gateway was a person who became obsessed with the modern world and what was being lost so quickly. So him being removed from... This place where he had been set up to just endlessly watch television and computers. It it was a massive change for him.
1: The council was in disarray as Brian Braddock refused to allow anyone else to lead the armada except for himself, which led the Tresks to question his sanity. Braddock, still working with Pierce, was ordered to hold off any action as long as possible. Meanwhile, Gateway was moved by the stories he heard, agreeing to lead the attack by moving the army into Apocalypse's domain. When Weapon X approached Braddock, seeking to convince him to attack, the pair found themselves surrounded by Pierce and the Reavers once more, this time joined by a cybernetically converted Carol Danvers, now seeking to destroy the Armada. The attack broke Braddock from his stupor, seeing his allies would not protect him, moving to fight the Reapers, ultimately sacrificing himself to try and take down Pierce, though his attempt failed. Meanwhile, Weapon X appealed to Carol's humanity, only for Pierce to kill her as well. Working to protect Gateway, Weapon X ultimately revealed that his severed arm still contained his adamantium claws, and he scrapped Pierce, destroying the cyborg, and allowing Gateway to create a portal large enough to bring in the entire armada right into the center of North America. Mikhail's Army A fellowship for a new world order. A union for power and peace. Man and mutant, in a new nation under my protection. The history of these times will one day be sung to the highest heavens, my friends, or written in blood and tears. The choice must be yours. The future is merely a step away. Mikhail Rasputin.
0: The fourth horseman, Mikhail Rasputin, had arrived in London to begin peace talks with the Human High Council, a last-ditch effort to prevent the upcoming human bombings. Mikhail gave the human speech, promising protection and power to save the humans if they submitted to his will. The speech went eerily well, swaying the crowd, who normally would have been fearful of any promises from mutants. After Mikhail's speech, a council composed of Dr. Donald Blake, a relief worker, who has recently returned from Wakanda, Tony Stark, former industrialist, and Victor Von Doom, head of Eurasian security, along with other select human members, met with Mikhail. He invited the human party to see his newest experiment, a mutant by the name of Manuel de la Roca, with the power to control emotions that had been augmented to a massive scale.
1: Manuel was a sad story. He was a Spanish mutant who had the power of emotional control, but Miquel used his powers to amplify and control the people of Eurasia. He was able to empathically put his emotions into that of the other people, making them much more docile and willing to submit to Mikael's agenda.
0: Mikael's main plan was to create an army of enhanced humans to serve him instead of Apocalypse, plotting his own eventual bid for power. But his plans were set askew when Tony Stark ended up being the first subject. Stark's body had been rigged to cause a feedback which destroyed the control system of Mikael's flagship while sending Stark into cardiac arrest which was luckily responded to quickly by Dr. Blake. Meanwhile, Mikhail approached the Human High Council expecting their surrender and submission to his will because of Manuel's power, but as he made his demands, the agents that Mikhail had let onto his ship ended up taking it over, while the Human High Council was not to be swayed. Dr. Blake quickly arrived at the council chambers, surprising Mikhail, who now saw that his ship had been taken over and was being used to destroy his own troops, with the guns now controlled by Victor Von Doom. As the ship waited, preparing to join the armada, Apocalypse activated the seawall's offensive capabilities, sending it towards London, an action that would have destroyed the majority of Europe. As Mikhail's small remaining guard fought the Council and Victor Von Doom, Donald Blake tackled Mikhail out of Big Ben, killing the both of them and allowing the Human High Council to move on to the air transport for the upcoming raid, hoping to stop the seawall in time.
1: Cleansing the Pits Apocalypse has given us his decree. The pens no longer serve our Dark Lord's purpose. All prisoners will be called. Let the wheat be cut from the chaff. Every last one. Alex Summers Alex's order to call the pits were met with opposition from all sides. The beast was astonished by the waste of high-quality genetic materials in Sinister's breeding pits, while the Bedlam brothers were less keen to murder the weak, especially without actual cause. Alex, still tasting power for the first time, attempted to force them into line with the support of the Guthries. At the same time, Gene and Scott Summers worked together to release the remaining prisoners, which required them to dismantle the brain trust a circuit of psychic minds used to pacify those in the pits. Halted by the Guthries, the Bedlam brothers ended up providing a distraction for Scott and Jean, who, under immense psychic duress, was able to destroy the brain trust, sending the pits into chaos. Meanwhile, Alex interrogated Scarlett, discovering she was pregnant with his child. Moments before the power across the city was turned off by the Bedlam brothers, soon the pits opened up with hundreds of mutants who were fully awake and cognizant for the first time in ages, freed from the effects of the brain trust.
0: Jesse and Terry aronson were interesting characters they had been chosen by sinister to be some of his chosen guards uh they worked closely with scott and unlike scott and alex they were well they actually got along. but when it came down to it they weren't the type of people who enjoyed taking their rage or anger or hate out on other people they'd wrestle with each other Well, that was just brotherly interaction for them.
1: The Beast, suddenly under attack by his experiments, and the escaped prisoners left as soon as possible. Alex, meanwhile, found himself facing his brother, and due to their powers negating one another, Alex came prepared with a gun, only for Scott to knock him out so he and Jean could lead the prisoners away from the city as Apocalypse's empire began to crumble apart from the inside.
0: Join us tomorrow night for part five of the five-part Age of Apocalypse series from Earth Two Five Seven. And now, stay tuned for our special series, Zen La. Is it worth destroying again and again La?